going live in five, four, three, two, one. Woo! What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Sunshine Show, where I interview to ever the hell I want to, and we talk about whatever the fuck we want to talk about. Isn't that right, Billy? Of course. <laughs> I got Billy, the one and only. Billy, how do you say your last name? Gagan. Billy Gagan from the five-ton chicken in the house. <laughs> Billy, how's it going, my brother? Oh, it's good. It's cold here. I'm in Wisconsin, and I shoveled for two hours today. And, uh, you know, at my age, that's a workout. <laughs> uh, go ahead. And, uh, you know, here in, here in my basement, my quarantine compound, with my uh, lovely three daughters and wife and dog up above. So if you hear commotion, that's where we're at. <laughs> awesome. Well, it looks like you have a really cool setup behind you. What's going on back there, Billy? Oh, it's, uh, well, this is the basement. So I don't know if you can see the exposed wires and plumbing up above, but I had to kind of start doing stuff down here. And so I've got some speakers and a computer. My first time I've ever went to PC, I've always been a Mac person, but I have a PC here because for what I wanted to do with audio and video, I could not afford to do it with Mac. So my kind of theory is they're now a cell phone company and not that much of a computer company anymore. Yeah, I can hear you on that. I broke my iPhone about a year ago and I still have not replaced it yet. Um, I'm going to do that one day soon, hopefully. Uh, what's up, Megan, Lindsay, Margie? Thank you guys, Mike, everybody for tuning in with us tonight. It's gonna be an amazing hour. I am talking with the one and only Billy. Um, Billy, for those that may not know who you are, could you give us a brief introduction? Oh, well, I'm a musician. Um kind of producer, really light-handed producer, so it's hard to call myself a producer. Uh, I had a record label, been playing music since I was 15, 14, 15. Um, did the, for not to gauge or age myself or, you know, out my age, but if I did my first gig in 1983. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> going strong, yeah. Billy, going strong. Oh, yeah, and I can't wait to get back out there and do it again, but um, I moved to Austin, Texas in, well, I moved there first in 97, no, about 98, I guess, and then left for a bit because I wanted to go back to Seattle because I didn't like the heat. Uh, me and my, my girlfriend at the time got married and she was going to UT, so I didn't have much of an excuse to not be in Austin anymore. But once I got down there, I adapted a little bit to the heat. You know, I'm not a really... Uh, warm weather person. But uh, the people there, I still, some of my best friends are all in Austin and I go back there as often as I can. Uh, like you said, with Five Ton Chicken, that was the first band I had in Austin. And that was with Mark Wilson, who's an amazing horn player. Um, Simon, just as I could go on and on, there's been a bunch of people in that band. And it kind of turned into um, a band called Contra Coup. You know, the Five Ton Chicken name is great because we have very democratic, like everyone has a voice, right? So we did this thing where we pick, everyone starts with 10 names and then we all vote on them. And then, you know, five of each make it through and make it through. Well, after about an hour, we got five ton chicken and it was the only name that I never voted for. Six months later, me and Mark Wilson are the only ones in the band. <laughs> Everyone else picked the name and left. <laughs> oh, how funny. Well, that is an amazing name. And actually, um, now that you kind of brought us to when you were living in Austin, I met you when you were playing with Five Ton Chicken and I was playing with Monkeys Doing It. And I know Monkeys Doing It and Five Ton Chicken, uh, we played many a show Sunday nights at Dr. At Dr. Rockets for the good old squirrel. squirrel. Um, <laughs> yeah. I offended him. He stopped returning our calls after a certain point. <laughs> Actually, Squirrel is still booking in Corpus Christi, Texas. Uh, if you ever want to show, I'm sure he will hook you up. <laughs> um, but yeah, I got to meet you and it was a very amazing time. I think for music in general, um, 
and thank God you moved to Austin because if not, maybe I would have never met you. Um, so yeah, that's, that's super great. Can you kind of give us um, a roundabout sound, what you would classify five ton chicken as? Well, it was, it was, I think the way I would put it best was, or is the, you know, rhythms and fundamentals of reggae, but with the spirit of punk rock. Like I grew up, my first band was a punk band. I grew up as a punk living in the Southern California area. I've seen everybody, it seems, you know, um, uh, everyone from the exploited GBH. Uh, I've seen Agent Orange probably 50 times. Oingo Boingo another 50 times. I mean, just all those scenes and being a very uh, not well supervised kid. I was going to shows when I was like 13, <laughs> you know, just out and about. And I wouldn't trade. I wouldn't, I don't know if I'd let my kids act like that now, but <laughs> that's what makes me old. <laughs> But yeah, I think the punk rock thing is I've never, I've, I came into reggae through punk, like, you know, I was a big English punk fan as a kid. And I think I discovered reggae through the clash, to be quite honest. And then the more I got into it, the more I just kind of went that direction. And, um, you know, yeah, so I've never lost the punk side of it. You know, when I play music, I'll play, you know, real heavy roots, Dennis Pavel, LKJ, right next to anyone from, you know, the exploited Vice Squad, anyone. Yeah. But yeah, that's kind of it. And I like the reggae to be reggae. So I'm really down with that. But I'm also, I mean, I grew up in Pomona, California. I was, I'm not from Jamaica. I'm not from anywhere like that. I have friends from there and I've been there, but I can never pull off patois or using terms that I'm not familiar with. So that kind of keeps it, you know, centered. But a lot of times with booking and stuff, people never knew how to book us. Angela the Flamingo used to call us a ska band and we never did ska when we did our first tour to Europe as Contra Coup. You know, I went as, as Five Ton Chicken and had a backing band there and it was great. Went back as, as a Contra Coup and we were getting booked in a lot of these ska scenes. And so we decided, well, maybe we should play some ska. <laughs> So we did, <laughs> which is fun. I love ska now. I mean, I've never, never disliked it, but you know, it's, it's, you know, it's great when you can find something and go, oh, I can really play this. This is fun. So anyway, that's, that's five ton chicken. <laughs> wow. Yeah, no, that's super interesting. So most of your members came from Austin, Texas. Yeah, we've, well, over the years, we've, we've kind of branched out. And now when we do stuff, we have um, a German, uh, kind of utility man we've had Danish horn players Italian horn players and it's really cool because the the Danes they really loved us because of the groove and the two guys I'm speaking of Chris and Johan they were in a great band they're still around called Baby Love and the Vandangos oh I and love that name <laughs> they're a solid they're a great band and they grew but you know Chris told me at the end of it he goes anytime you want Gus to go out with you let us know. We just love the groove that you have. And, you know, that was after 30 days on the road. And I think that, you know, I didn't hear it for another six months and then it registered. <laughs> um, now that you, you kind of brought up Europe, can we talk a little bit about your intensive touring schedule, like the past, what, decade now, probably? Yeah, I like to go out, but it's not, it's never been like the way I've made a living you know, and I've had a family. So my intensive schedule is for a month at a time, it's gig after gig after gig, and then back off for nine months or so. Okay. I love, I love being home in these days anymore. I mean, when I was younger, I was always traveling, but these days I'm like one good outing a year, you know, maybe two, and I'm, <laughs> you know, sleeping there at clubs. When you say you're on tour in Europe, people are like, oh my God, that must be awesome. I've stayed in places that I wouldn't probably let my dog sleep now, <laughs> you know, just that's really? the <laughs> um, I kind of wanted to talk about like touring Europe compared mm -hmm. to like touring the States and the oh, differences. Yeah. A lot of the, well, once I went to Europe for the first time in, as a, a musician in 2006, and that was probably... I think we did one more like Southern States tour and that was it. You know, I think I've done stuff like little runs in the Northwest, 
you know, but but touring in the States, I, I don't mean any, I'm a total patriot and I love our country, whatever that means, but I hate touring here. You know, it's like, you know, your, your, your hospitality is like, you know, two drink tickets each and you can only have the light beer or the well drinks, no food, no anything. You know, in Europe, they, they really respect art, or at least they did you know, up until right now, at least U.S. artists. I don't, right now, I don't even think we can go there. <laughs> I think we're banned from Europe yeah. right now. Probably, rightfully so. Yeah, yeah. But, um, but every gig in Europe, with the exception of a few, there was always, you know, you showed up, there was usually, you know, some snacks, you know, drinks if you wanted. And that was great for like the first five days. And then all of a sudden, everyone said, can I have water? <laughs> can we have some water, please? <laughs> But there's always hospitality. The sound is usually, you know, as good as it can be, meaning that even if it's a small place with limited technology, they're still trying to do it the best they can. In the States, I don't know how many times I've, you know, like been treated horribly, you know, and it's not, and it's just because people are bitter and I blame it on the culture here, not the culture of the people, but the government. You know, when we talked about, you know, just the other day I had a conversation about unemployment running out for people and getting special pandemic relief. But I, I, I don't buy that, you know, it, they didn't need it before the pandemic. I mean, arts has been so disrespected in this country. You know, it's like, you can't, you know, being a musician. I mean, when I talked about the Danish horn players, we had to drop Johan, the sax player off to do a gig one morning he did like a jazz brunch or something and we're like okay really he goes no i'm a state certified musician doing that gig made it so i can do all the other gigs with you and i have to worry about asking for a lot of money you know wow. and it's treated a little differently you can call it socialism or communism i don't i don't want to know what you want to label it but if you care about the arts you know people are a little better off all the way around there's no reason why Every musician I know is either a great cook, a great painter, or can frame a house. <laughs> no reason for that. <laughs> oh my God! Yeah, you're so right. Uh, hello, Charlie Pace. Charlie Pace is in the comments, and he 100% agrees with you and says uh -oh. he feels everything you're saying. <laughs> and I think a lot of us can. I mean, it's just true what you're saying. It's really hard. To, to get by as a musician, um, especially just working like on a night schedule um, or doing bar, bar gigs, it's very hard. It's, it's yeah. very hard. And many of us have three to 10 um, other jobs. <laughs> and none of them give you benefits or health care. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going down that road. I'm not here for that. <laughs> we all know that already. <laughs> um, what have you been doing to keep busy this past year? Well, uh, I've started building a little production thing in my basement. I want to, you know, if I win the lottery, I'm going to soundproof it, <laughs> you know, because it doesn't work for that. I got these really nice Neumann speakers for a good deal, but I can't use them because, I mean, you can probably hear the footsteps above me right now, you know, and people work or they're doing school. And so I have headphones that I thought would work, but I guess I didn't need them for this. <laughs> You got to wait till everybody gets out of the house and then you can run those speakers. But I don't think anyone's, everyone's been out of the house in 10 months. Oh, that's true. <laughs> We're waiting for everybody to go back to school and to work. And then Billy, then you can use your studio. <laughs> exactly. Or win the lottery and soundproof it. I saw a whisper room the other day. I saw a little ad for a, it's like a soundproof room you put in your house. But I think the space I needed, it was like 15 grand. And I'm like, nope, can't afford that either. <laughs> yeah. Charlie says, just start in OnlyFans. Say what? Charlie says, just start in OnlyFans. <laughs> he said, please don't say OnlyFans. What is up, everybody that's hanging out with us? Thank you guys for chilling with us in chat. We got Eric. We got the whole fan bam. We got Don. We got Margie. We got Megan in the house. Uh, Megan says she loves your basement, Billy. It looks cool. Uh, what is up, Christopher Nishida? I got a Christopher Nishida original hat here. You guys, too, can get a beautiful, beautiful Christopher Nishida hat. I will drop the comments, the uh, the link in the comments. Yeah. Boom. Boom, Billy. Boom, boom, boom. Um, yeah, man. Cool. So let me, let me 
carry on and plug a couple things while I'm here and everyone's, you know, gonna get really annoyed when I do this. <laughs> but I think actually tomorrow, a friend of mine who was supposed to come here to Madison and I was gonna like do my first gig in Madison, like with musicians and, you know, a decent little venue and stuff. And, um, and he, that would have been April 12th, I think of last year. And then I was supposed to leave on the 14th go to Austin, meet up with the Stingers and go to Europe for, for a big Freedom Sound Festival and lots of cool stuff. Well, obviously that didn't happen, but my friend, Kevin Meehan, who I play in a band called Sugar City Sideshow, and he has another group and label called Sugar City. He was in St. Kitts for like a couple, he was only supposed to be there, I think there for two or three weeks doing some research. And he, he does all kinds of wonderful projects with agriculture and literature and everything but he got stuck down there because he you know the music stopped and his chair was in St. Kitts and he's still there he is still there 11 months later right wow so, <laughs> you know I mean you could be stuck in much worse places but I mean he has a family I mean there's lots of things that are making it not so cool but he went there and he's a musician. He has, he goes to studios. He has a little home studio. He records all the time. He went there with a lavalier mic to do interviews, a little hand zoom recorder and a ukulele. So he decided, well, I'm here. I'm going to be here for a while. I'm going to make a record with my ukulele. And he did an EP of five songs that are supposed to, they're releasing tomorrow. So if you go to sugarcity.com or whatever, you'll see it. But I heard one of his songs and I was like, man, can I can I play with that? And I took it and I got Eddie Ocampo to do some drums from New York. Uh, um, Pablo, the contra coup bass player, did bass and a, and a little Mexican, I forget the name of it, a Hurana or something like a little Mexican ukulele or something. Ooh, a Hurana! <laughs> well, I'm just an idiot. <laughs> but, um, and, uh, and then- Stop talking about yourself that way. <laughs> <laughs> and Mark Wilson played on it and we did this whole thing and Bruce James and there's one song on it called wear a fucking mask and it's just it starts with him doing the ukulele and he has the whole ukulele version too but I took it and threw it around the world and have like this second line ska style big kind of production <laughs> so look for that tomorrow it's really cool Kev is a great guy and um you know, we've toured in Europe together and done stuff like that. And that's kind of fun. So that's one thing. So that'll uh, drop tomorrow? Yeah, it goes, it drops tomorrow. Yeah. Oh, cool. I'll definitely plug that when it comes out. Absolutely. And uh, ContraCoup is working on another seven inch that is basically when I can record the vocals, it'll be ready to mix. But that's a challenge here in the compound with all of my housemates, family. <laughs> <laughs> with all your roommates um charlie wants to know what equipment do you use personally oh for a, well the, i have a home or a built pc with i don't know what the stuff in it is this great company puget systems in out of uh i think they're out of washington they're out of seattle area the little tech nerd area in bellevue or whatever and uh they they're they're really reasonable if you're looking for a hyped up machine for not nearly what you'd pay for a Mac at that, but it's a PC. Um, I use uh, Mixbus, Harrison Mixbus, which is a really cool digital workstation to use. It's, and the reason I use it is because it's set up like an old console. So I actually know how the, how the buttons and the knobs work. When I look at just a, a linear line and have to know all the shortcuts, I get lost. <laughs> <laughs> But my typical mics and everything, headphones for me were a big deal. So I got some Bayer 1770s because you can actually almost, like I mix the the thing that's dropping tomorrow, the big, the big band song, I mixed on these headphones because I can't mix on these awesome Neumann monitors that I got. <laughs> <laughs> But anything you, anything I have is, is what you use. I've learned, you know, that's the one thing about home recording and everything. It's like, you can't, you can have the best equipment in the world, but if you don't have any inspiration or heart, it doesn't matter. You can have your phone and, you know, have inspiration and heart and, it, and it'll rock. People will like it, you know. 
I love that. That's what I was going to ask you. So is it the guitar that makes the player or is it the player that makes the guitar? I know a guitar player who's been stuck with a ukulele for 10 months, so I would have to say the player. <laughs> I know ukuleles are getting a bad rap these days, but really it was his only option. <laughs> I love ukuleles. Okay, so I think that they're actually coming in style, Billy, because everybody is playing the ukulele these days. <laughs> Not me, I can't even tune one. <laughs> That's what we need to send Billy a ukulele. Uh, yeah, man. <laughs> so what else? What else? Is, what is up, goody, in the house? Um, so what else? So you've been making a lot of music. You've been producing some stuff. I've got, I just started. I've been thinking about it for a while. I'm actually going to put together a little story cast. Now, I don't like podcasts is weird because I think I'm going to talk and be enlightened and do good things but you know no it's like I've met so many people over these decades or whatever and I decided like okay there's all these big you know famous story you know shows you know about the tour bus and this and that and you know people that everybody knows where it's like God, there's so many stories that are right that are right here with people that you've never heard of so I'm doing that and that's called story time with pinky and I can explain Pinky if I need to, or I will. It's Please actually you. Are you Pinky? I'm Pinky. Yeah. <laughs> when I went and well, let me explain the story first, because I think I'll lose everyone when I explain the name. <laughs> <laughs> but um, you know, so there'll be every episode's only going to be about twelve minutes, so everyone can have time. You don't have to commit to thirty minutes or forty minutes if you don't want to, and. There is three story, different storytellers in each episode. So if you don't like jazz or you hate this jazz dude, you can just hang on for a couple minutes and hear the reggae or the punk or whatever you want. And it's just not, they don't have, the stories aren't necessarily shocking or, or bad or good or anything. I'm open to whatever. So if people are out there and have, you know, stories about being on the road, or even it can be, you know, you published a song or you were in a studio and something interesting happened. I'm into all of them, all of them are welcome. And that I was gonna put that out tomorrow was gonna be the first one. But then I found out about, you know, oh, well, if you do this and if you do this, you can actually get people to sponsor or set up a tip jar. And my goal is if it can take off enough, to be able to either a let whoever does the storytelling, the storytellers, either take fifty or a hundred bucks, or donate it to a charity, you know, because right now there's lots of some of us are doing okay and are doing fine, and other people are in a, a pain, a really painful situation. So, you know, but anyway, that's. Well, I love that, and I'm actually a guest on one of your on the first episode. The first episode. <laughs> <laughs> and I kind of started it. What, how did I do? I said, hello, welcome to Storytime with Sunny C. This is your host, Sunny C. <laughs> and, and in the episode, it will stay there. <laughs> yeah, and I had, I had so much fun doing that for you. So thank you for asking me. And everybody that is at home, Goody and all my musician friends, if you guys are interested on in being on Billy's um, Storytime podcast, you guys send them a little email, message them, and uh, get, get going on that. Charlie wants to know if you have a favorite story that you're willing to share. A favorite story? Yeah. Oh, th that I lived or that I heard? <laughs> Any favorite story you're willing to share with us, Billy? Okay. Um, wow. That's a tough one. Can I come back to that? Yes, you absolutely can come back to that. Oh, then I'll do it right here. I'll tell you the story of Pinky. There you go. So I was in Jamaica in 1991 and I was staying. I got there really late at night and the people, you know, had a host for me and put me in this house. And I got up the next morning. It was a lovely man named Sala and he had two little kids, a son and a daughter. And I'm guessing they were like six and eight or so. Well, they didn't see me come in that night. And so I got up in the morning, kind of, you know, opening my eyes, trying to wake up. And I go in the kitchen and there's little Pilly and little Amal. 
and they're looking at just like whoa because this was in lucy jamaica it wasn't in montego bay so i mean them having me in their house was it was kind of interesting you know Oh, dumb white guy from the states, you know. Like <laughs> calling yourself dumb, Billy. <laughs> and and so I'm sitting there, and Amal walks out, and Billy's just there staring at me, and I'm talking to her father, and uh, all of a sudden she goes, "Whoa!" And I look, and I go, "What?" You know? And she goes, "Do that again," and I'm like, "Do what again?" And she's like, "Close your fist, make a fist," and I close my fist, and she screams to her brother, "Amal, Amal!" He's pink and he's white. He's whitey. No, he's pinky. And it, uh, of course, you know, her dad, Sala, was like, you know, Billy, no, he's, his name's Billy. You call him Billy. But for the next, you know, month, whenever I went over there, because I'd come in and out of town and go there, I would get off the little, the little minibus and walk down the street and be greeted by a bunch of kids yelling, pinky, pinky. It was fun. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually one of my favorite stories. <laughs> oh my gosh, how funny. So now do you like have a bunch of shirts that say pinky on them? And but just a little bit ago, like the thing that's being released tomorrow, I decided, hey man, well, I guess about a month or two ago, I started doing these like little mixtape things because I'm old and remember mixtapes from the 80s. And so I just put these mixes together and put them out on Facebook. And I think I think the first two, maybe 20 people saw, and then the last one, maybe 40, but that's the nature of a mixtape. Like no one gives a shit what you're listening to. <laughs> you know, they just they just hear it or they don't, but the fun is making it. And I called it uh, Pinky's Quarantine Classics. And we did Fatty and Pinky, a friend of mine, Fatty, back in Pomona in 92, 93, the beginning of the Mossberg era, we did the Fatty and Pinky show. And so we both did acoustic guitars and he did his thing and he, we, everyone called him Fatty. And then I picked the pinky name. And our friend Alex Havoc made a, a, an ad for Mossberg with a cartoon from Fatty and Pinky. And so if you go, if you look at the Pinky Quarantine Classics, that's the same guy who did the artwork. There's a, there's a picture for everyone. So there's three there now. He did the art for the graphic or the illustration for each of these little mixtapes. And the art is so much better than the mixtape. It's oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what is up, Jason Ferry in the house? Charlie Pace says pinky merch coming soon. I absolutely agree with that. We need to get that pinky merch on the line. Um, dude, that's a great story. Can you tell me um, what you were doing in Jamaica again? I was there visiting people and I went to the 1991 Sunsplash and um, was basically finding out that I didn't like Jamaica, <laughs> you know? <laughs> I mean, I know it's a paradise in the Caribbean and stuff, but the way I was there was staying with people that I didn't stay at the hotels or the resorts. And every, it, it was, I, some of my, I had great friends there and I loved the experience. But for people who are like, oh, we're going to go to Jamaica, it's like, why? You know, there's lots of other, and also it was, and I don't, I don't mean any disrespect, because a lot of people go there and know people and love it. I wasn't there as a musician. I was just there as a person by myself, you know, seeing friends. So when I was with my friends, everything was great. It was wonderful. But I, when I was alone, it was just like everyone tried to hustle. Everyone, there was a big deal with people coming up and trying to puff their chest up at me and I would just be like all right I guess this is it and then they would back down because they were trying to hustle me for money they were going to you know rob me or whatever it's a very cynical view of Jamaica you know because all the music I love probably more, most in the world comes from there and I know lots of Jamaican people and they're my, some of my best friends are Jamaican. I don't mean that to sound the way that sounded. <laughs> but, no, no, it's fine. You're but, entitled to your opinion, Billy. Oh, but they're all, but those, but those same people are the same ones, like once in a while, it's like, wow, everyone wants to be from Jamaica, except for Jamaicans. <laughs> they want to, no one wants to be there. But <laughs> that was a rough time. If you go back to that time, it was kind of a, you know, that it was a rough, I mean, the dollar, the Jamaican dollar went from six to one to U.S. dollars to like 30 to one. Oh wow. Like really quick. And a lot of there's a lot of history there, how they didn't unify a Caribbean currency. 
but poverty poverty is real there but that's i think where a lot of the heavy heavy musicians when they come up and you'll meet people who it's very competitive and you know and different you know i'm probably being way too cynical <laughs> you know but it's because it's like it's like young kids boxing it's like they're trying to get out you know they're trying to make money and move on you know so who did i offend now who's chatting in the chat box oh, saying, no, no. <laughs> We got a bunch of just a bunch of uh, comments here, but uh, Charlie's saying so. It's not like the Sean Kingston song. Um, <laughs> it is for some, I'm sure. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> What's a brutal time there? What's up, Bobby? What's up, Jason? Everybody? Yeah, no, we're just kicking it, listening to Pinky, <laughs> listening to Story Time with Pinky. So, uh, so Billy, your first show was in 1983. Yes, Fat Daddy's Pizza. <laughs> Wait, Fat Daddy's Pizza? Fat Daddy's Pizza in Upland, California. <laughs> oh, very cool. So what kind of band did you have back then? Oh, uh, we were a, kind of a punk band and all of our chords were the same three chords because we knew three chords. <laughs> yeah. yeah, real punk. One of, one of our songs sounded exactly like Iggy Pop's I Want to Be Your Dog because we liked that groove and we, it was only three chords. Another one was just like the Clashes, 1977, but ours was called 2027, which is scary because we could actually do a reunion in a few years. I know. <laughs> Pretty epic. Yeah, we were basically we were a really bad band. <laughs> we were bad. What? But that whole where in Pomona and Claremont and that whole area at my age, the there was an amazing amount of talent and people in that area. Um, uh, ben Harper was the drummer in the next band I was in. Ben Harper, like big time Ben Harper. He was just Ben Harper for the you drummer. You mean like my boyfriend, Ben Harper? No, not your boyfriend, Ben you Harper. You mean my, my, my boyfriend, Ben Harper? <laughs> what? <laughs> if you look, his, his grandparents owned the folk music store in Claremont. Um, and that's where that's we knew him through the band like my uh, Aaron and Paul had a band they were Aaron Paul and Ben APB and then they brought me into the band to sing and they kept the name because it was a cool name even though there was another punk band I found out later at the same time but um uh John Darnell of the Mountain Goats was from that from Claremont in that area um just a whole a whole mess of people you know <laughs> so it was kind of a cool little area because you could go to shows anywhere and they were all over the place little shows big shows and in that little art community of claremont people actually respected it and liked it except everyone was stuck on making it uh, that's the one thing i remember from that time like well when we make it and it's just like wow the only ones who made it were the ones who never talked about making it <laughs> it seems <laughs> We all still trying to make it, okay? We're all trying to make it still. Charlie says, what local bands did you play with back then? Did you meet any of the famous punk bands? Oh, well, I, I was really young for them. I mean, those guys are all like in their 70s now, right? 60s and 70s. I'm only, I'm younger than that. I'm not going to say how much. <laughs> um, I got I got hooked up. I left home at 15. And so I ended up bouncing around and with different people in different situations. And there was a group Olea Productions that put on everyone from Agent Orange. They I was backstage at a Ramon show that they put on at the PVA. And so I got exposed to different things, but I was just a kid. I was like a, you know, in 1983, 84, I was 15 years old. So I thought I, I knew everything and I thought I was hip, but no one really cared, you know, for me. <laughs> but, but it was great. And, and in fact, Agent Orange was a pretty local band around that time. They played all the time. And Mike Levesque, I think that's how you say his name, um, we did his Five Ton Chicken. We released a record, a, a, co a cover song of theirs called Everything Turns Gray and put it out on a 70. And, uh, and, um, we had a video of it and those guys so I mean, this was in the myspace era i got a little myspace message from mike levac and i was like oh shit he heard it and he you know and the good the good thing was is i totally licensed it so he got paid for a thousand copies whether we sold any or not like i did that legit 
And uh, so I opened up this message and it was just like, hey, you know, one of my friends hit me to this, you know, video. And I just want to say that I love the song. You guys made it your own, but it was still the song. And he wrote that song. It wasn't Mike, the other guy. It was James who wrote that. You know, excuse me, James Levac, if I said Mike, uh, whatever, it's James, the bass player. And he wrote that song. He said, yeah, I wrote that song in like 20 minutes and it's my favorite Agent Orange song to this day. And so I sent him the record and we made the cover. We stole it from, uh, what was it? One of their records, you know, with the big, the pattern, it just says Agent Orange, just when you least expect it. I think was the name of their record. And we took it and put five ton chicken on it. Yeah. And so I sent him the record and I got another message from him thinking like, oh God, he's gonna hate <laughs> this. And he says, oh, that's so awesome. I made that record cover on a kid's toy in like five minutes and, and it got pressed. <laughs> and he was great. He ended up doing, he was a publicist and he ended up doing the publicity for the Linville Golding uh, Know Your Rights record that we did as Contra Coup. Very nice guy. He passed away not too long ago, but he was he was solid. So Agent Orange, that's one of the one of the bands, at least the bass player. <laughs> wow, that was a great story. Um, Charlie actually says that one of his favorites, or Agent Orange is hands down his favorite. Charlie, you have been so kind in this chat and thank you for, <laughs> for dropping so many comments. I love you so much right now, Charlie Pace. Um, damn, that is fucking epic. I had no idea. So that's an Agent Orange cover song? Oh yeah, yeah. You said the, the original isn't too far different from, we stayed close to the, to the original with the cover, you know, but obviously we had Mark Wilson doing the horn solos instead of, you know, that guy Mike doing the fancy guitar leads. <laughs> Wow, that's so fucking cool. Um, so what I remember most about you and your shows, and um, I guess I can just tell kind of by talking to you, the raspiness, the deepness of your voice. Um, I'm pretty sure that's something that follows around with you, follows you around everywhere. Yeah, oh, but I do, I used to do a lot more in falsetto which I love, like Junior Mervin is, and Curtis Mayfield are like my favorite singers. Okay. And I used to do, we used to do a song, Soldier Girl, that I still do. Yes! That it was, I'd sang it in falsetto. And we did a tour, the, the tour we did in, in Germany, our first show in Leipzig, Germany, was like everyone, like the Danish horn players didn't even come because they said, oh, no one goes to those shows. But we landed there and spent a week rehearsing and getting everything together and it was sold out and at the end of the night you know I, I go get the money and settle and then go back and see the band and they're just laughing at me you know just like like they were almost peeing their pants they were laughing so hard and they were like yeah man you missed that these girls just came and all they wanted to know was how that big guy could sing like a little girl <laughs> oh my god that's too good but yeah, no, the voice of the, the, my voice, that's, I think the worst thing about getting older is my falsetto is kind of not what it used to be, especially not singing every day, but yeah. Does it hurt? <laughs> Does it hurt when you sing, when you speak? Like what, like it sounds so rough on you, Billy. No, no, <laughs> <laughs> um, I've always been a huge fan of yours. I mean, from the first time I saw you on stage, just the stage presence, just the voice that comes out of your mouth, that like songs that you're playing on the keyboard. Um, dude, I just, I love you so much and thank you so much for everything that you do. Um, I'm so stoked to just have you here with me right now and, and I appreciate you so much. Oh, thank you, I appreciate that. Um, so let's see, Margie, 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 where's the favorite place that you have ever performed, Billy? Thank you, Margie, good question. Ulzen, Germany. In Germany? <laughs> Germany, a little town that's a suburb of a suburb of Hamburg. And I played there, I think every, almost, I think three tours we played there. And the first time I went with a German backing band, and that place was great. I still have friends from there and a couple that still live there. We went back as Contra Coup and played a New Year's Eve gig there. And it's it was an amazing gig. It's a little place and uh, it was just loads of fun and the people love you. And they're not like, they don't 
adore you. They're just with you. And it was great, you know. <laughs> so Ults in Germany. <laughs> so do you speak German or do they speak English? Oh, they speak English and and I've been studying. I've I've the first time I went there was in 2006 to Germany and I studied German in high school, but I could still like order a beer. And, you know, I just learned how to say I'm sorry recently, which I probably should have learned to say that a long time can, ago. Can you teach us all how to say I'm sorry in German? Es tut mir leid. One more time. Es tut mir leid. Es tut mir leid. E-S-T-U-S tut mir, M-I-R, L-I-D, lied. Okay, everybody practice that. <laughs> Thank you so much for dropping the five ton chicken link. That sounded so funny, the five ton chicken link. <laughs> so I have a quick, I've been talking too much. I have a quick story about the five ton chicken name, other than how it came to be. We did the morning news show in Austin, like the Fox News or whatever that everyone does and everyone complains about getting up at that god-awful hour. Well, I came home and, and my wife was just kind of like going, wow, man. And I'm like, what? And she goes, well, I tried to, to search for it to see if there was a, you know, a link to the show that, that I could show you. And there was a band in the Bay Area called Ten Ton Chicken. <laughs> Swear to God. <laughs> it's like... We yeah. did not copy their name at all because we would have been bigger. We would have been the 20 ton chicken. <laughs> and they were, I've, I've never met them. I've never heard from them or anything. And we never crossed paths. But yeah, there's a, a Bay Area band or there was back then called 10 ton chicken. They were bigger. <laughs> they were just a little bit bigger. Um, one more question from Charlie. Where are you at, Charlie? um favorite punk song and who inspired you to play the music that you play i don't know if it qualifies as a punk song but probably straight to hell by the clash and that's definitely not a punk song but you know that and um yeah everything turns gray i keep coming back to that because it's a great song um and i think just you know, punk and reggae, like The Clash. I got to go back to The Clash or they're probably, ooh, you know what? And Elton John. When I was a little kid, I saw Elton John playing a piano in Central Park in a Donald Duck costume. And I decided that, wow, I want to do that. <laughs> goals, goals, people, goals. <laughs> I love it, I love it. Um, what's your tuning process? Tuning? I play uh, keyboards. I hire someone for that. <laughs> no. Bobby, are you talking to me? I don't know. I, I, I have snark tuners for bad play guitar and a little bass and stuff. I use those little things that clip on your guitar. They're awesome. <laughs> those are the best until you like lose them. But that's why you just buy a bunch. So you always have backup. What is up, Don in the house? Um, sick. All right. I got a few more questions for you, Mr. Billy. Um, one question I love to ask all my guests on this show, if you could pick five musicians dead or alive to have a dinner party with, who would it be? And what would you serve? Oh, hmm. Well, right now I would pick the five guys from Contra because <laughs> I miss them. <laughs> I would serve whatever the hell they wanted. Oh, Billy! Are they well, probably. Sorry. What? Are they back in Austin? All the guys? Uh, well, most of them. We can one of them. Well, we can kind of scatter between the Stingers and Contra Coup, but yeah, they're they're Austin dudes. You know, pretty much anything with me and Mark Wilson were the original Five Ton Chicken guys. You know, anytime someone, if we play on something, they say, what do you want to be credited as? I just say, oh, it's Contra because it's me and Mark. But, you know, Pablo and Ed, those guys are the latest version. And they're still, they're still friends of mine. I mean, we haven't, we haven't done a tour together since like 2010. But I would take them out in a minute. Yeah. So, but I think you were looking for bigger names, like people that people would recognize. 
You know, I don't even remember the question I asked you. Five musicians living. Oh, yes. <laughs> John Entwistle is one. Perfect. He's he's awesome, and I don't know. He's probably like he's creepy as he is. He's probably a total vegan or was a vegan. Out of but he, I'd serve him cocaine. <laughs> That's what he liked. <laughs> um, I'd have to say Joe Strummer, but he'd probably fuck up the party. He was a great guy. <laughs> you know, really nice guy. I've never met him, but everything I've, I've worshipped him since I was 11 years old and everything, you know, even the post documentaries from The Clash where he's out very humble. He's a great guy. Um, Don Letts. Uh, who was used to produce the Clash and stuff, and he produced a bunch of stuff. He's a great. He would be one I would love to meet. And uh, Linton Quasi Johnson, but he would definitely spoil the party. Who's that? Who's that? Linton Quasi Johnson is a dub poet. Um, Dennis Bavel does all of his backing bands. Now he's he would be a great guy to have at the party. He's loud and boisterous. But Dennis, or I mean, Linton Quasi Johnson is a very very serious dude. I've only met him twice and both times I was like, uh, <laughs> okay, sir. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> too intense. Too intense. <laughs> have one more person. Oh. Joey Ramone. Ooh, I like that. I always felt he, he got the bad stick all the time or the short end of the stick all the time. And he was he would be awkward because he seemed like a very awkward dude, but he seemed like a good guy. <laughs> I love that reasoning. So we'll add Joey Ramone to the list. That's a beautiful party. Uh, and what are you serving your guests besides cocaine? Um, oh gosh. I don't honestly don't I've never followed what people eat. I would probably make uh pico de gallo, guacamole, and um some kind of enchiladas. <laughs> my god you're talking that language i love it i love all of that um yes the tex-mex in me i miss some good mexican food from texas okay <laughs> i miss it so much um cool so we are gonna start wrapping this up we've almost been on here for an hour can you believe it wow passes by really quick um so what so you're doing the podcast these days. You're working on a, a few different projects. Did we talk about all the bands that you're in right now? Um, the the Stingers, the Stingers ATX. When when they play, we did a gig in November in Portland, last last November, not this you know the November before last November, yeah. and uh, we were supposed to go play Freedom Sounds in uh, in Frankfurt, Germany. And then that got postponed to 20, April 2021. And now it's been postponed until April 22. So maybe Angela Merkel will let Americans in by then. <laughs> we'll see. But Contra Coup, Sugar City Sideshow. And um, that's, that's, oh, I played with another Austin band. I just recorded on their EP. They're a punk band called Archaic Three like a ska punk band they're they're solid too their their new ep i don't know when it's coming out it should be soon but i heard one mix off of it and i thought it was great the ska punk thing is really it's kind of cool because i can add the keyboard and the organ to it and most people don't and it's just very fast and makes me you know realize how old i am oh, but it's stop <laughs> You better quit age shaming yourself, Billy. I don't approve of it. Um, so the Stingers is a pretty popular Austin band, right? Yeah, I was late coming to them, but yeah, yeah. How long has the band been been playing for? They were they did their first records. I want to say around two thousand. They did a record. It was like a self made record, and I think they got. And I'm probably off by a year or two here. But then, then Walter Dunn, who was one of the first members, he joined the military and went off to Germany. And when he was in Germany, he took a, I guess it would have been a cassette. I don't know back. I guess I still CDs. And he gave it to a guy named Ossie at Grover Records. And he signed them and they did a single and I think two records with them. 
And then that halted. Johnny, the singer-songwriter guy, got married and, you know, they didn't tour as much and he wanted to only tour for three weekends and Aussie needed him there at least a month. So when I joined the band, which would have been 2007-8-ish, um, you know, they, they, you know, went back to Europe. I, I actually booked that and took them back to Europe because they had kind of, you know, fallen, not really fallen out maliciously or angrily, but they just lost touch with Grover because, you know, they, they needed touring, regularly touring bands to make any money. <laughs> but I guess since about, I want to say 2000 was the first Stingers ATX. And I think that was just the Stingers. And then I think when they got the deal with Grover, they had to add the ATX because they didn't know, and I was shocked they didn't know this, but the Stingers was like an old Kingston studio band from like the 60s, 70s. But the reason they added the ATX was because there's a big party cover band in New York called the Stingers. So they had to add ATX. <laughs> Very interesting. I had no idea. Very cool. Um, so what, so when are you going to drop this podcast? When are you thinking? It was, it was, like I said, it was supposed to be tomorrow, but I think I'm going to wait till the 15th. Okay. Because that gives me enough time to get the webpage done right. And, you know, I, I think Anchor, Anchor Podcasting, anyone who knows about podcasting, please tell me. They seem pretty solid because they try to get you with sponsors and stuff. And Yeah, yeah, I use Anchor. Oh, right on. Is it solid? Yeah, it's really good. Um, and then you can also like, um, it like will put you onto like Spotify and all the other like, yeah. yeah. Nice. Yeah, because this is the, probably the first time, this is probably the first thing I've ever made in my whole career where I wanted to make some money, <laughs> you know, which sounds bizarre, but I wanted to, you know, whether even just someone telling a story and I can give them 50 bucks or they say, no, I don't need it, donate it to a charity, you know, and so that's, kind of the thought behind it so yeah that's super story time cool. with pinky everybody <laughs> listen story to it <laughs> um, for anybody that is watching this now or maybe watching it later on uh we i say we like i'm a part of this we are taking story submissions for story time with pinky <laughs> Uh, but everyone's a part of it <laughs> yeah hit up billy i already submitted my story i had a really good time doing it it was very difficult for me to fit a story into three minutes i think i like i think mine was like four minutes maybe because i couldn't like cut it down yeah but it really makes you think about what you're saying when you're trying to squeeze all that information into a teeny tiny little bit of time so you were great at it. So we're going to ask you for more. So I hope you have more. <laughs> I have plenty where that came from. Um, that was a lot of fun. Um, before we get going, if anybody has any questions before we go, drop them in the comments. Um, and if not, we're going to start wrapping this up. Um, do you have any advice, Billy, for people out there that are struggling right now and don't know what to do with all the time on their hands? You mean mentally or um, financially? Uh, ooh, <laughs> let's go the mental route. <laughs> no, I mean, it's, it's, it's a weird one because, you know, depression kind of is on all of our backs all the time. I mean, whether we admit it or not, we've all got, you know, plenty of baggage that pops up now and again in our heads. But I think really just doing stuff. I mean, for me, it was like the Pinky's Quarantine Classics. Like that was a, you know, that was no outcome desired. No, no, I wasn't, you know, trying to achieve anything. I just did these themed mixes and it took me, you know, just a 30 minute mix, but it probably took me like a week to do them because I thought it out and I brought it in and mixed them in and, and tried to make the production value high, even though it didn't matter. And so I think you know, I think as, as I get older, I'm starting to realize, well, you should probably just do stuff because you want to do it. And since I was a little kid, you know, I've always thought that, and I don't know why, who taught me this or how I got it, but you should enjoy what you have while you have it. You know, so when I was a teenager trying to get girls and everything, I was like, I didn't understand. It's like, dude, you're like, 
you don't have to be anywhere. You don't have to do anything. You're a teenager. Fucking enjoy it, you know? And so if you're stuck in your house, like I've got three daughters and a wife and a pandemic puppy that now weighs like 80 pounds. <laughs> and we get along much better than I ever would have thought, you know? I mean, we all have our days and we're getting really good at like, wow, like that guy's needs some space today. Okay, cool. But I think that there's going to be a time, my oldest daughter's 17, you know, where I'm really going to miss being stuck in a house with her for a year. <laughs> you know? So I think that's, and it's easier said than done, but just do something and try to enjoy like what the time you have, do something with it if you can, you know, and, and it's like I said, way easier said than done. Cause these are not, I mean, there's no script for this. You know, they open up, avenues and oh you can get unemployment well if you're sitting in an apartment alone for a year a million dollars if you can't spend it <laughs> isn't going to do you any good it's it's all about just you know i have friends that'll call me you know and i pre-pandemic we might not have talked for you know a year or two at a time but when they call now it's like i talk to them you know and make it a point to talk to people because that's, that's your socialization, you know, you don't get any, you don't get to go to the store and talk to the butcher or whatever, the vegetable guy, you don't get that as much, because everyone's wearing masks and is afraid of each other. <laughs> really, I'm, 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 I'm like envisioning you at the supermarket, and I'm seeing you like, you always go and talk to like the vegetable guy or the produce manager, like, you're one of those guys, huh? Yeah, even when I was young, I was that guy. We lived in Stevens Point, way up north. And my only friend in town was a butcher. And my, my kids are all vegetarian. I never bought any meat from him. But he just one day we talked about something for some reason. And it came out, you know, that I was a musician because I didn't, you know, he didn't know me for a round. And so I talked to him. We were there for five years. And he was like the only guy I talked to, a guy named Danny who worked at the Pick and Save in Stevens Point, Wisconsin. <laughs> oh, you're so kind-hearted. And um, I've known that from the moment that I met you. Um, and it speaks volumes, just what you're doing, how far you've come. You're still playing music. You're still making it happen. You said your first freaking show was in 1983. Here we are in 2021. You're still rocking and rolling. You're a huge inspiration to so many people. And I hope that you recognize that and see that. Um, and dude, thank you so much for everything that you do. Oh, well, thank you. And I'm thankful to everyone for letting me do it. It's awesome. <laughs> well, um, I'm going to go ahead and sorry, go ahead. I love your bases behind you, by the way. Oh, thank you. Question for you, which is your absolute favorite? Uh, that would be my 1975, um, I think the 1975 <laughs> Rickenbacker is my favorite, um, but I do love the tone on this hammer. Uh, I was freaking changing the strings and the tuning peg like messed up, so I have to get a new uh, tuning peg for it, um, but I was actually like using the lower string now so that I'll have a low B. Is it a low B? I think so. Instead of a high C. You have a five string bass? Mm -hmm. Yeah, this one. Oh. Uh, <laughs> I've been playing a lot of ukulele lately and I've been like practicing like singing and stuff like that. So I've kind of just been like not playing bass as much as I should. Sorry, Goody, <laughs> if you're watching. <laughs> but yeah, I got quite the collection. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> nice. nice. Well, it's beautiful. And, uh, you know, yeah, thank you very much. I, this is great. This is fun. Yes, thank you. I'm going to drop whenever you release the song tomorrow. I'm going to share that to ev for everybody. Um, we shared the five chunks five ton chicken link in the comments so i hope everybody will go and hop on to youtube and check out five ton chicken you guys will never you'll not expect what you're gonna hear that's all i'm saying like there's no way there's no way um and then we will be looking forward to pinky story time with pinky yeah and then where can we find can we find the quarantine classics on if you just search uh pinky's quarantine classics on the Facebook, on the Facebooks, they'll come up. <laughs> Perfect. 
Okay, so I'll drop all that in the comments when we get out of here. Um, I'm gonna say what's up one more time to the fam bam, Margie, Dom, Megan, Goody, Eric, Charlie, what is up? Thank you guys all for hanging out with us tonight. We've had a great time. Thank you, Charlie, I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, Charlie's the number one fan. <laughs> Yeah, man, so on that note, thank you so much. And I look forward to talking to you again soon and working with uh, you on story time with Pinky and Sunny C. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> all right, you all take care, all right? All right, bye.